creativity is a muscle. I have people come into the store constantly and tell me they're just not creative, and I flat out don't believe them. You're just not exercising that muscle. Welcome back to Rise Regardless, a podcast featuring the trials and triumphs of resilient individuals. I'm your host, Patrice Chan, and that was Stephanie Osler. In this episode, we'll be doing things a little bit differently. I'm so excited to be collaborating with Katie Ho from Attire Media, who's guest hosting this episode on resilience with respect to conscious fashion and running a business amidst recessions. All right, I'll leave it to Katie. Hi, I'm Katie and I'm the founder of Attire Media. I started out working in fashion modeling and marketing, and I'm also really passionate about human rights, animal rights, and sustainability. Eventually, I decided to start Attire after learning about the ethical and environmental impacts of fashion. Attire is a Vancouver-based online platform that was grown out of a passion for sharing the stories of conscious fashion brands and guiding consumers to cultivate more meaningful relationships with their clothes. Be wondering, why is fashion important? Why should I care? Well, fashion's definitely a way for us to showcase our identities and tell the world who we are through our clothes. And it's also linked to our planet's future. Right now, fashion's operating on a linear system where we produce, wear, and then send our clothes to the landfill. It's definitely unsustainable, and we need to change the way that we're producing fashion. It also has impacts on global well-being. So garment workers and farmers are often working in poor conditions and not being paid fairly. And this is overwhelmingly in the global south. There's also a lot of toxic waste being dumped into countries in the global south, polluting their environments, their water, their air. So our clothes are supposed to showcase our identities. But at the same time, our fashion system is built upon injustice and a lack of sustainability. The people I've met in the fashion industry are also some of the most interesting, creative, and resilient that I've ever met, and I think you'll find their stories really inspiring. So with that said, I am so excited to introduce today's guest. Her name is Stephanie Osler. So Stephanie launched her company, Devil May Wear, straight out of high school, immediately attracting international attention and sales. By the time she was 30, she had three successful retail locations in Vancouver and Victoria, Canada, one on Granville Island, one on Main Street, and one in Fantan Alley. She uses her entrepreneurial expertise to help launch startups, speaks about being a designer and entrepreneur to inspire young people and the community at large, and she runs small seminars about starting your own business. In 2013, she delivered a TEDx talk called The Luxury to Buy Better, where she spoke about the value of buying fewer things you love more. Stephanie currently teaches a course at Simon Fraser University in business and design based on textile sustainability called Make Change Studio. Stephanie is passionate about utilizing the skills of the underemployed populations to give everyone a chance to contribute meaningfully and to educate young people about entrepreneurship, sustainability, ethical production, and more. So welcome, Stephanie. 
Um, do you want to introduce yourself and Devil May Wear? I'm Stephanie. I'm the owner and designer of Devil May Wear. Devil May Wear is a Vancouver clothing company. We make lingerie and women's clothing and accessories by hand in Vancouver. We sell them all over the world and we've got a store on Granville Island. Yeah, it's super cool. So I think your story is really unique because you joined the world of fashion and entrepreneurship at a really young age. So can you tell us how it all started for you? So it all started when I was about 12. I wanted to buy uh, music equipment, but I didn't have enough money and I was too young to get a real job. So I convinced my dad to lend me $200 for a button press. And I used that <laughs> button press to make buttons for bands. Then I got a silk screen and I did silk screen patches and shirts. And I made a lot of money for a young kid doing that all through high school. But while I was in high school, I also worked a lot of jobs. I did a dressmaking apprenticeship. I was a pattern plotter. I, I got right into the industry at a really young age. I kind of felt like I had to have life all figured out by the time I graduated. So that's the path it was sort of taking for me. And when I graduated, um, my parents and I were... We had that typical teenager parent relationship where we didn't quite see eye to eye. So my plan was to go back to school when I was 25 because my parents made too much money for me to qualify for student loans and I wasn't going to go on their money. And by the time mm -hmm. I was 25, I had store, I had staff, I, I had no reason to go back to school. I launched my <laughs> business. Yeah. yeah, that is so inspiring to hear. I think especially for all of the young people who are listening to Rise Regardless right now. I also wanted to ask about Devil May Wear's mission, because I know you really prioritize locally and sustainably made fashion. So how has that affected the way that you run your business? It's It's been really difficult. And it's a commitment that I am unwavering from. I think that it's so important to demonstrate what an ethical local business looks like. I'll be the first to say that selling sustainable clothing is a horrible business to run financially because <laughs> our customers are typically very savvy. They're financially savvy. They're, uh, they buy less stuff and they should. That's what we encourage. And, and so we don't have maybe the product turnover that a lot of fast fashion brands do, but I see sustainability as being the, the core mission of every business because by nature of the word, it means you're ongoing. And I, I think that every business needs to build in components of sustainability. So to me, it, it's just out of the question to run a business any other way. Yeah. So given that you are incorporating sustainability into your business model, and I feel like Obviously, we don't see that in every business because it is a challenge, as you've outlined. What do you think has been the number one challenge for you and how have you been able to deal with it so far? Well, I think I've got a lot of challenges and one being that I live in a very expensive city and it's another thing I'm not willing to compromise. I just love Vancouver. I love being here and I want to produce change from within Vancouver and we've got some of the highest uh, priced real estate in the world. We've got, we, we need higher wages, although we do have lower wages relative to property prices than many other places. We don't actually have a lot of foot traffic or sales in Vancouver. It's actually quite low. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of challenges to running a business here aside from the sustainability aspect. But I feel that challenges are encouraging for entrepreneurs. They, they cultivate a really strong entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm not afraid of challenges. Mm -hmm. I also believe that uh, 
having a barrier to entry is actually a good thing as an entrepreneur because everywhere there exists a barrier to entry means other people are giving up. So whenever I see a reason not to do business, I think about all the people who stop right there. And I feel like that's an opportunity for me to have a green light and go ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the positive mentality, just taking challenges and turning them into opportunities instead. That's so inspiring to hear. I was also wondering about your goals for Devil May Wear. What was your vision for it when you started out? And has it changed at all as you've run your business for 17 years now? My vision was to have 12 retail stores. I don't know why 12, but that's the number I wanted. I wanted... (laughs) I wanted a a big staff of people who were very creative and subversive and strange, who had a job where they could be really independent and autonomous and really exercise their strengths. And and I had this vision of it being big and impactful. But Mm -hmm. as we've seen for brands and retail specifically, it's become very difficult over the last number of years as things have gone online and people's shopping habits have changed. And I've actually gone in the other direction. I, I've been shrinking the business as much as I can for a couple of reasons. And I'm so happy I did over this quarantine mm-hmm. because we used to have three stores and handling this lockdown with three locations would be a lot harder than handling it with one as I am today. But, uh, we are now scaling back to be as kind of a, have as, as small a footprint as we can to be very nimble to reduce our costs because all of our costs go directly into our end prices. So we want to keep our costs as low as possible to produce as ethical and sustainably as we possibly can for a reasonable price. Uh, we want to be very nimble. Mm-hmm. We don't want to create just more stuff. We're not encouraging people to just buy things for the sake of buying things, but to buy things that they really need or that are that's really going to add value to their life. So I teach my staff and and they teach each other to ask questions like, do you need this? How does it fit into your wardrobe? How does it make your wardrobe new again? Because I don't want people to just be buying stuff for the sake of buying stuff. I think that is a habit that we really have to heal from. Yeah, I think that is such a unique approach to sales. Definitely not what we usually see, but I really admire. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I really admire your commitment to the ethics and sustainability and your values, though. I wish that we would see more of that in the industry. I believe um, it will pay then, off. Yeah, yeah. I think it has already. I mean, you, you've you been doing well for quite a while. And I think you're definitely one of the standout companies in Vancouver right now. So I think I would say it's going well for you. Yeah, we're, we've been doing it for a long time. And I think we're we're sort of a trendsetter. So we... I think we we give people optimism that they can implement some of these techniques in their business too. So one thing I'm really passionate about is teaching entrepreneurialism to you. I, I think mm-hmm. that it's so important to cultivate the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think that we can have a new generation of businesses where being a sustainable business is not a problem. It's not a sacrifice, but it's the standard. And so we're sort of trying to teach these, these um, new standards, these new ideas from, to build a business from the ground up. And so I think the next mm-hmm. generation of businesses, like I said, the term sustainability should just be a standard across the board. The next generation of businesses unquestionably will be doing things differently. Mm-hmm. They'll have circular economy. Um, they'll have, they'll have healthy supply chain and, and we're going to see things change. So I actually want us to just go over just in case some of our listeners aren't sure. Um, what do you mean when you say circular economy? 
So circular economy is the concept that once something goes into the the product stream, it can go right back to the source. And and that would happen in so many different ways depending on what the medium you're working in is. Um, but you want to keep the, the process going round and round and round so it's not going into the dump or going to waste. Um, but you can have something circular like wool is a very good fiber for uh, regeneration recycling. So wool, you, you harvest it from the sheep, you put it into the supply chain, you cycle it around and around, it comes back to the, the producer, goes back to the mill, gets turned into a new product. And when it does reach the end of its life, it's being used as fertilizer to bring nutrients back to the ground. So nothing's going to waste. Nothing ends up in the in the incinerator. It's it's producing a product with with no waste. Closed loop. Yeah, and I I really hope that more companies are moving towards a circular economy model. Maybe some good ideas for people who are hoping to start new businesses right now. On that note, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to start a business with? ethics and sustainability in mind? I have so much advice. The first thing <laughs> to keep in mind when you have the sort of attitude that I do, which is like, we've got to, we've got to do everything right. That's not really possible. There are going to be sacrifices you have to make. Sustainability is a sliding scale and, and we want to constantly be improving ourselves. So once you launch the company in whatever position you launch it in, you want to constantly be validating and questioning your, your motives your expectations and improving upon yourself because we know that technology is going so quickly that things that we would have considered good options yesterday aren't necessarily the best option today and be open to mm -hmm. that change. Uh, the other thing you want to do is consider this an opportunity, not, not a sacrifice in itself as having sustainable business. Uh, mm -hmm. Coming out of quarantine, out of, out of this, this lockdown environment, it's going to be really important that we're cultivating trust and and integrity with our customers. And they're going to be asking a lot of these questions and they're going to be judging how we respond to the world based on these. So considering what your mm -hmm. values are in your company, that's really important. And finding yourself in the work, finding out what matters to you the most and putting that at the forefront of your work, whether you work for someone else or you run your own business. Um, and, and talking to experts, getting some really good information on what your options are. Yeah, I think that's all great advice. And especially speaking to experts, Stephanie is a great resource for that. We'll get your contact info out to everyone at the end. I wanted to also talk about consumerism with you. Um, so obviously, it's the responsibility of brands, but also the consumers to make sustainable choices. So for the rest of us, what steps can we take to shop more sustainably? Oh, the first thing is just clear what you already have. So a lot of us are experiencing that right now as we're quarantined at home and finding out it's actually not that bad. I think one thing that we're going to see out of the lockdown is a new trend in shopping your own closet. So we'll probably see some influencers who are showing us how to wear what we already have. Uh, we're going mm -hmm. to see a lot of trends coming out of quarantine where the, the fashions aren't changing. They're not snowballing as quickly. They'll, they'll be more stable, which will be giving us a little bit of a break in trying to chase trends. But Ultimately, you really need to know who you are and what you want. I really believe that that would cut down drastically on our overconsumption. So take the time to meditate and ask yourself questions about what things mean a lot to you, what, what really impacts your life and what you want to bring into your life. Buy less stuff, 
shop a lot more, go out into stores more often, go on Pinterest more often and find more things that you want to consider because that helps inform your decision, but buy less things less frequently. There's a couple other tricks I also like to play with myself. If I wouldn't pay twice the price, I won't buy it for the price it is. And that can kind of help us navigate sales, impulse buying a little bit. So you see something, you go, oh, but it's only $20. Well, if you wouldn't pay 40 or 50 or even $100 for it, then it's not worth anything at $20 to you. So revaluing the way we spend our money. And then also consider what your your financial goals are because a lot of us want to travel or to buy a home or or to invest in our children's future one day, but we're spending all our money on things that we don't actually wear. So making sure you're, you're doing less impulse buying um, and really focus on, on what your true desires are and why you're doing it. When you do impulse buy, don't put yourself down, don't judge yourself, but ask why. What problem were you trying to solve? Yeah, I love all of those tricks, especially the one where you double the price because like if you are buying it because it's a low price, it's, you know, obviously you don't actually love it if you wouldn't pay more for it. So I love that trick. And also the tip on getting back in touch with your values and what you believe in. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can do right now, especially since we're just staying home, having more time to ourselves. Um, I wanted to actually to pivot to that and talk about what's going on in the world right now in COVID-19. Um, so I know that you've been running Devil May Wear for about 17 years now, and you've been through a lot, and you've been through the 2008 financial crisis, which kind of parallels what we're going through right now in some ways. So can you tell us a bit about what that experience was like? So what I really like to share about that experience with young entrepreneurs is how shocking it was to me. I was about 22 at the time, and I'd heard of recessions. My parents had talked about recessions, but I didn't actually know what a recession felt like. It was such a, it was something you see in newspapers, not something you actually experience. And Mm -hmm. and everything prior to the recession was going so well, and I thought it was my brilliance. I was such a good clothing designer. We were selling to so many stores. We had three (laughs) full-time sales reps. We were doing so much business. It was wild. And all of a sudden, overnight, it just stopped. Everything just ceased. And it it felt a lot like this lockdown did, the speed at which sales came to a halt was, was really jarring. And... At the time, during 2008, I also blamed myself for that. If I was taking credit for the good times and how brilliant my designs had been, I was going to take credit for the bad times, for it failing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started studying it because anytime I'm faced with anything uh, unknown, I want to learn everything I possibly can. So I read every newspaper article. You know, the internet wasn't as good as it is now, so it wasn't as efficient at getting the information, but I discovered this thing called the recession, and I realized it's not my fault, but I also realized it meant everyone was in the same boat as me, and that was going to create opportunities, and the first thing Mm -hmm. I did was sign a lease, so in early 2009, when I knew that the commercial real estate prices were still low, people were, landlords were really willing to sign lease contracts. They wanted to put somebody in the spot. I knew I was going to get a great deal. So I signed an eight-year lease for 1,500 square feet on Main Street, and it was probably the greatest deal on Main Street for years. What creative solutions have you implemented to help the business survive and maybe even thrive during tough times? Well, you have to be flexible and and 
I'll, I'll be the first one to say, I, I don't like online sales. I'm not an online sale person. I'm 34. I'm not old, but I'm old enough to really appreciate a brick and mortar store. I want to feel the fabric. I want to talk to the person. I really want to get uh, the vibe from the company and know what I'm, what I'm working with. And I want to really have an experience. So I'm not much of an online shopper and I'm not much of an online seller, but the truth is I need to integrate that into my business model. So as an entrepreneur, you need to be flexible and you need to do a lot of things you don't like, but they are going to produce good results. So one thing I learned in 2008 that that carries through today is how valuable relationships with your customers are. And what's really good about a downturn is you get to find out who your real customers are. So your your die-hard customers are still shopping no matter what, or they're still talking to you, they're still responding, they're still asking questions, they're out there. So you can find out who they are and what they want and what is working. You can also find out what products are working, what you're selling that's still selling in spite of tough times, uh, what's not working. You can see what you need to drop off or, or let fall away. There's going to be a lot of picking the right price point because when people shop online, there are certain price points that they're willing to spend freely and, and certain price points that just sort of push that comfort zone, especially when they don't really know you very well. When you can come into a store and you can talk to the store manager or the store owner, you can get a feel for who is going to be there when something goes wrong. And there's no question of delivery. You're taking it with you when you go. But when you're ordering something online and having it shipped from a, a faceless company, you need to you need to be careful what price point you're willing to spend, what you're willing to risk. And on the flip side of that, companies need to be really building the relationships there too. So make sure your social media is really up to date. It's really expressive of the personality. It's showing the behind the scenes. It's showing how it's made, where it's made, who it's made by. You really want to touch your customers so they feel like you're their neighbor. Yeah, I think that that communication is so key. And I think we're even seeing that right now with COVID-19, like, brands that are really doing a good job connecting with their customers, like just trying to make sure that people feel reassured and safe right now, I think is so great seeing that from some brands. Yeah, completely um, on, on that. And also be positive because there's so much negativity out there and negativity does attract eyes, but people don't spend money when they're stressed. So you're not going to cultivate a good experience for your customers if you're also reiterating that stress. So give them a report reprieve. Be honest, be straightforward. Don't, don't sell them on hype that doesn't exist, but you don't need to reiterate all that bad news that's already out there. And the other one I want to mention for designers too, is that styles aren't going to change as quickly. So when, when the economy is doing good, even if you don't realize it's the good times, the styles will change. They'll turn over really, really quickly. So going back from this stay at home period we've had, it's, it's going to be a little bit easier for designers to really plan out their collections. Yeah, and hopefully to also reevaluate their values, like you were saying before, and potentially, yeah, implement more sustainable and ethical business practices. And if you become a more yeah. flexible business, if you're, if you're getting rid of properties that are just costing you too much money or you're signing a new lease that's a better deal, or in whatever way you're becoming more flexible and strategic, you can afford to spend the time to be more sustainable and ethical because uh, you've given yourself that space. 
And then that becomes a feedback loop where your customers see that positive injection into your company. So even companies that haven't started on that sustainability base have a lot of opportunity to change right now. Yeah, I'm feeling really optimistic already hearing all of your advice and how you've been able to get through all of this. I was wondering, throughout the full 17 years you've been running Devil May Wear, I'm sure you've learned a lot. So what are some of the key lessons that you've learned through your journey? Oh my gosh, that's such a big question. Um, <laughs> every day is a lesson. You wake up to lessons every day. If I don't learn something every single day, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed in my day. And maybe that's the wrong attitude, but I'm just constantly <laughs> learning. You know, one thing I, I've learned that's very, very important, I think I share with people all the time, is that creativity is a muscle. I have people come into the store constantly and tell me they're just not creative. And I flat out don't believe them. You're just not exercising that muscle. And creativity can come in so many forms. Creativity can be cooking a meal. Creativity can be putting together your own wardrobe, even if you didn't make the clothing you're wearing. Creativity can be having an articulate conversation with a close friend. Creativity is a muscle. And if you want to get better at it, just practice. So pick up a pen and paper and just start scribbling away. Or or buy some paint, some cheap paint, and, and just start mixing colors together. Whatever it is, your creativity will improve. Um, that was a great lesson I learned. I was so afraid when I first started, I'd never come up with my next mm-hmm. idea. But it became easier with time. And now I can't stop. I have so many ideas, I don't even draw them because it makes me upset. I can't make them all. Um, relationships <laughs> are incredibly re- important. The world is very small and everybody comes back to you. So don't ruin any relationships. Don't be a pushover. Stand up for yourself and develop a thick skin as well. But make sure when when you're negotiating with somebody, if something goes wrong or you don't like how something is going, that you're dealing with them with the intention that you're going to be spending time with them in the future, that, that at some point they're going to be responsible for your happiness and create every situation as a win-win situation as much as possible. It also makes you feel better when you leave the situation. It's so rare I actually have a customer complaint. It is, it's so unbelievably rare. One of the reasons that I almost didn't open a store was because I remembered working at other clothing stores where we got customers complaining all the time. And I was so afraid of that. Mm-hmm. It almost stopped me. But now that I have my own company and I can set the parameters and, and define the rules, I've created an environment where we, we really try to work with people. So it doesn't happen often. But when it does, the way that I go into that conversation is I, I change my intentions of that conversation to see how I can have the best outcome for both of us. That we're both going to leave this conversation so happy that this experience happened because it allowed us to have this opportunity. And it works 95% of the time. Yeah, I love the positive mentality that you have towards seems like almost any situation that's thrown at you. So it's super inspiring to hear. And especially being able to thrive through difficult times. I know that for a lot of young professionals right now, it's the first time they've had to navigate a career while also facing a global financial crisis and also the coronavirus outbreak in general and the stress of that. So do you have any advice to share for people who are facing career challenges right now and maybe how they can overcome them or cope with them currently? So many. The first thing is that it's not going to go on forever. 
everything always changes. And it's, it's a funny thing we experience as human beings where whatever the experience you're having is now, you have this sort of sense that this is the way it's going to be forever. And that being mm-hmm. said, learn lessons right now, create journals, make notes of what you do learn during this time, because it will happen again in one way or another. There's going to be another downturn or a lockdown, or you'll, you'll be in a tough financial position at some point in your life. So it's really good to record what lessons you do learn now. So you're not blindsided again, but things will change. Uh, we will come out and things will resume in, in one way or another. It may not be the normal we had before, but the normal we had before wasn't the ideal situation either. So let's look forward to the change we can create. But remember also, you're only as valuable as your own skills and your attitude. And I don't, I don't want to offer people a lesson in spiritual bypassing and just tell you to be positive all the time. I don't think that's very useful or uh, very healthy. I think it's really important to experience the feelings you're having, the loss you had, the grieving of, of your life as it was before, or um, sit with the insecurity you're feeling about the unknown future, but also understand that things do come out of this, and we have our greatest life lessons when times get tough. So right now you do have an opportunity to find out who you are, to get a new meditation habit, to, to practice that creativity, or to go online and learn a skill. And the people who get hired at a job are the people that, that, that others want to be around. Every, every employer is willing to train. Often we hire people specifically because we can have the opportunity to train them. But you can't teach attitude. So work on your attitude. Work on being the employable person if you're out of a job. Or even better, in, in my opinion, I really try to cultivate the entrepreneurial mindset in everyone. So whether or not you're planning on starting a business ever in your life, to cultivate to cultivate the mindset of positivity and optimism and problem solving, uh, and 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 to be empowered by whatever situation you face is the entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, I think that's great advice for all of our listeners today. So I want to wrap this up by thanking you for joining us and sharing all of your wisdom. I'm sure everyone learned a lot. I know I did. Very last question for you is just how people can keep in touch with Devil May Wear and continue to support your work now and in the near future. So first, I want to just give a little bit of advice on supporting any company right now because a lot of small businesses are struggling, a lot of small businesses we love. So if you, if you can't afford to buy something from them, obviously that's a great option. If you can't, if you can follow all of their social media channels, be active on their social media channels, like their images, comment on their images, that helps boost their posts. So other people who've never seen them before will be able to see them. Another thing that's good is join their, uh, join their, their email campaign because if you're on their mailing list, that grows their, their, their value and their reach and don't unsubscribe right away. If you want, you can have that go to another folder like Gmail does so that you don't have to see it all the time. But being an active subscribe subscriber is really good for businesses. Any way you can share, any way you can let other people who might like this company know about them. Those are great things. So that being said, you can get in touch with me at devilmaywear at gmail.com is my email. I'd love to hear from everybody. Our website's devilmaywear.ca. 
Our Instagram handle is Devil May Wear. Our Facebook is Devil May Wear Store. My Facebook is Devil May Wear, which was a mistake I made oh so long ago. But if you look up <laughs> Devil May Wear on Facebook, you'll get me, which is fine. I also have a website, stephanieosler.com, my first and last name. So anywhere you can find Devil May Wear, we've been around so long, we've kind of got the handle for every platform. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to thank you for what you're doing. I think that this is the best time for people to be looking for new advice, new ideas, new inspiration. Just get up every morning with, with the idea to learn one thing every day, and expand your life experience. And I think that this is just such a great way of doing it. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you being here. Again, please make sure to get in touch with Stephanie to learn more about her work and support her. If you want to keep in touch with Attire as well, we post regularly on Instagram about how you can be a more ethical and sustainable fashion consumer. We also have a newsletter on our website, attiremedia.com. So if you're interested and you liked this podcast episode, definitely go and check us out. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of Rise Regardless. I hope that you share this with those in your circles to let them know what you've gleaned from it. And even let me know, post it on social, tell me what an impact it has made on you. I'd absolutely love to hear your thoughts because you're now a part of a community of resilient individuals. And I can't wait to share the next episode with you.